know who that is? Is that Ronaldo? Jamie Fenton. Rewind three years. He was sitting right where you are, except he was in Blakely. Guess where he is now. I give up. Okay, A, I don't ever want to hear you say those three words again. And B, Presbury, in a six-bed converted chapel with five acres to the rear. He's got a duck pond at the end of his garden. Not to be confused with his hot tub. Quack, quack. Ouch. <laughs> Welcome to episode 145 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast despite Carla's offer to run away, Steve's random decision to try tough love, or Lucas, who seems to constantly show up like a fucking creepy fairy godmother. What I really want to know is, did Peter eat his chocolate, Sam Gavin? <laughs> I still can't believe you don't like Ted Lasso. No, <laughs> it's awful. It's just awful. It's so wholesome and lovely. And lots of female empowerment and... and forgiveness and it's just it's not what you expect while also being sweary it's also a, a coach who doesn't seem to understand the first thing about football yeah that's the whole premise of the show yeah but then when you get, you get to the end of the season there's still rules that are surprising them you're like <laughs> just and every episode's the same the only man in the world who doesn't like ted lasso well, I don't hate it, but it's just not funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's meant poor, to be funny, right? Poor Jason Sudeikis. That's not the first time that I haven't thought him funny. But <sighs> first his wife, who am I to judge? I'm just his, frequently hilarious. So. First his wife leaves him for Harry Styles, and now this. Oh, really? Well, that's a slap in the face, isn't it? For a, for a man boy. <sighs> he must be all of, like, what, 19 or something? I bet you he's, like, 39. <laughs> Well, it's like one um, erection where before I moved over, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, that's at least nine years. Yeah, yeah. That man's in his thirties now. <laughs> it's like let's find, uh, out, let's find out together, shall we, <laughs> listeners? It's like uh, the woman who's in Dairy Girls and, and Bridgerton. She uh, read an article last night where she was talking about how um, fed up she is about uh, people about in interviews people commenting on her weight and it says she was 34 and I was like there's no way she's 34 she looks almost 16 Harry Styles recently celebrated his 27th birthday <laughs> so he's a grown man okay. <laughs> you'll always be a wee boy in my eyes oh that seems creepy that, that does sound creepy <laughs> let's roll that back you are creepy <laughs> but we do this am I look as creepy or am I, am I creepy in a good way yeah what's up with Lucas We'll get to that. How are you? Uh, it's weird. I'm weird. I don't know. I had a the our our annual Tony M's cookie booth yesterday, and uh, which was different because we had like all of the tables spread six feet apart, and each girl had a station, and mm-hmm. we had these little bins where the girls would pass the bins so they weren't all touching the same boxes of cookies and stuff, and it was supposed to be a drive through and everything. And of course, people. Still got out of their cars, even though it clearly says drive through. Yeah. And of course, people are touching all of the boxes. And of course, people are getting out without masks on and stuff. So even the best laid plans 
But then after that, I had to rush and uh, go pick up this bunk bed that I'd bought because we are going to be plus one more in the house. We're getting our oldest child back. The prodigal son returns. You really want to talk about this? <laughs> I'm happy about it. But that's just me. I'm a mum. Um, but the reason I bring it up is just, you know, these are things that I used to do all of the time and not feel weathered by it at all. But last night when I got home, I just, I was so exhausted. I'm still exhausted, you know? And it's just like, uh, what is wrong with me? But anyway, <laughs> how are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I was bonus week this week, which is always a good week to work. And the bonus landed a day early, which was Ooh. a nice little surprise. And I was checking my bank account for a different reason. I thought, that can't possibly be right. Where did, where did that money come from? <laughs> what have I forgotten to pay? But, um, <laughs> but no, that, um, that little uh, yearly dance of trying to disperse bonus money to satisfy mm. credit card companies <laughs> always takes like half an hour just to have that money sitting in your account mm. and then it's gone. Is that why uh, I mysteriously got some money? Via PayPal from you this week. Oh, no, that was completely separate. Oh, okay. Thank you for that, by the way. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Do you know, I've been... Uh, over the summer, we had uh, the lawn guy. Uh-huh. Because our lawnmower broke. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and you couldn't be arsed. I couldn't be arsed getting it fixed or getting a new one. And plus, mowing the lawn is starting to really hurt my back. So we got the lawn guy to come and do a lawn every couple of weeks, and he takes like 40 bucks or something for it, which I think mm. is a little expensive, considering he has a little ride-on thing, and it takes him not even 20 minutes. Yeah. But he does a really good job. Sometimes his wife comes and picks up brush right. and stuff, so they do a little bit of lawn cleanup as well. Do a good job. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah. I can afford it. Yeah. It's um, It puts money in someone else's pockets, which is nice. It's a good deal. Yeah. So I've gotten at the habit of every time that I go and get cash out, I take a little bit extra mm-hmm. and then stick it in that little uh, pencil holder thing over uh-huh. there. Yes. So that when the lawn guy comes and if I'm not here, the then everyone there. knows that the money's there just to go and pay the lawn guy. Right. 40 bucks. But it's been winter. Right. Obviously. <laughs> Newsflash. It's been winter. <laughs> But I've continued to do this because mm-hmm. it saves me having to do it later. Yeah. There's now $340 in cash. <laughs> oh <laughs> my little, God. little pencil holder. I was like, at what point do I stop? When there's like $1,000 in 20, <laughs> $20 bills that are just folded up and stuffed in, aye, 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 aye. in a little box with pencils and a, what looks like a toffee hammer and some screwdrivers. So it's like, <laughs> holy shit, there's more than 300 bucks there. <laughs> oh, some of my wee uh, seedlings have started to sprout this week So we'll have some nice tomatoes and cucumbers And I started oh, earlier again this year. Yeah, and I started earlier this year So hopefully our tomatoes won't be uh, ripening in October <laughs> Oh yeah, did that, yeah there was that massive one. Remember you had the mothership yes. tomato that just refused to ripen? Yeah. But it was like the size of a cow. <laughs> <laughs> it finally turned. Finally turned and we ate by it. By which time we were all sick of tomatoes. You can never be sick of tomatoes. 
Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give me some of that germinated corn juice. <laughs> <laughs> Vinta Morgan, who plays Roddy Bailey, has opened up this week about one of his first experiences with racism. At the age of 11, a police officer stopped him just randomly in the street and demanded that he tip his book bag over onto the street Mm. for no reason and then just kind of left. Made this kid do it. There was nothing there, obviously, because this is a little 11-year-old kid. Right. People are fucking awful in this world. Oh, that's a kind of know your place sort of thing, isn't it? Defund the police. <laughs> because he, of that. He, well, you because of many things. Because of, because of many things. You know, uh, Brianna Taylor's murderers are still walking the streets. But anyway, I digress. He is happy that Corey will bring racism storylines into the show to shine a light on this issue. So... I. We're looking forward to more instances of racism on the show. Well, not, let's rephrase that. <laughs> <laughs> they need to do something about it, though. Right, yeah. Because the last couple of times that we've had it... It's just been kind of random things. It seems like they have things germinating that will be more... That will be things that won't be cleared up in, like, two episodes and well, like we had that. one that was cleared up over the course of a commercial break where <laughs> Michael was stopped outside the tram, uh, yes. the tram station thing. Yes. And that still baffles me why that was a thing, if they're not going to do anything about it. I think they may be doing something about it. But it's kind of... You've kind of they done did, it. Yeah, they did leave it. They, they've, they've left this for a long time if they were going to actually do something with this shady cop. Oh, oh the shady cop's coming back? Maybe. <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> Who knows? I still think that should have been Craig. <laughs> Poor Craig. He, he, leave he, he his, came out as gay and racist in the same his, week. His, leave that sweet gay child alone. <laughs> anyway. Another Corey return is planned in the near future. Tracy Bennett is back after Yay. 22 years to reprise her role as Sharon Bentley, Rita's ne'er-do-well foster daughter. Now, you talk about big hitting signings like your um, Maureen Lippman mm-hmm. and your Paula Wilcox. Mm-hmm. This is up there with them. She's like massively successful Broadway West End superstar. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be on Coronation Street again. Yep. This is an example of someone who goes away to do other things. Right. Who actually did go away and do other things. Right, yeah. (laughs) Rather well. Mm -hmm. And then coming back. That's fantastic. It's like uh, if they manage to get Patrick Stewart to come back and play that firefighter that he played 45 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Playing the same firefighter. (laughs) Like his retirement party. Like somebody just happens to barge into his retirement party. The stand-up comedian <laughs> Peter Kay was on the um, classic Corey. I think it was last week playing a, a shop fitter as the, the shop transformed from uh, from uh, Maureen's hands into the hands of Fred Elliott and kind of became a little bit more like the, uh, the dev shop that we have at the moment. Right. One of the guys that was making those changes was the comedian Peter Kay. <laughs> Who was also in it some years later as a drayman at the Rovers. Right. But once he was famous, but it was like kind of before he was famous sort of mm-hmm. thing. But his voice hasn't changed in the slightest because I'm only half paying attention. 
and I heard him talking and you sort of look up and go, fucking hell, that is Peter Kay. I wonder when he's going to start talking about garlic bread and he didn't. It's like if uh, Joe Gilgan came back as, as, as wee Jamie, all grown up after, after doing Preacher and um, that other show that I really liked that he was in. Anyway. I think Steve Buscemi was also in it as a, a greyhound owner or something. <laughs> Is great. is there a British actor who's not been on Coronation Street, do you think? I think it's a ever decreasing population, yeah. <laughs> Small island. Anyway, finally <laughs> This is hilarious. I love this so much. We've all loved the show, taking steps to keep everyone safe while continuing to film and showing up on our screens three times a week. Yeah. Roughly. Six times a week. Six times a week, I think. Well, one, two, people three, like four, to five times a week, really. Yeah. Two, two, one. Anyway, <laughs> that's not the point. Not everyone is so keen. A local gym has been taken to court for multiple lockdown breaches and has cited, while representing himself, the fact that Coronation Street and the upcoming Batman movie <laughs> are still filming as reasons why he should still be able to open his gym as long as he was filming members inside oh that's wrong for a whole a whole host of reasons uh, the judge was unconvinced and ordered the gym doors chained shut and <laughs> a closure order issued the guy's like no no i you know i was filming also i had elite athletes and children there because oh, <laughs> it's worse and worse because you know the lockdown and the lockdown rules like exceptions are made for children's programming for filming sure. and for elite athletes yeah. so he claimed to have all three of those things happening and apparent apparently he was like filming people on treadmills and stuff <laughs> on his iphone and posting it to youtube and he claimed that this was this this meant that he could stay open. He was posting on Facebook. If you come to the gym and somebody tries to stop you, tell them that you're there for the filming. I'm, I'm only, I'm only kind of pleased that the phrase "without their knowledge" hasn't been used thus far. So that kind of doesn't make it quite as bad as it could possibly be. But I don't see the the thought process to make a logical comparison between your gym and a Batman movie. <laughs> a bit of a leap unless Robert Pattinson is in both I don't want to hear it they're making a new Batman movie you didn't know this Robert Pattinson's the new Batman you haven't seen the trailers for this it's quite no. dark he's got like lots of eye makeup on why are we making more Batman movies because apparently that's the only thing that DC can do properly is this in the same universe as the Joker or is this completely standalone we can I talk don't, about this. <laughs> I don't know if the Joker is in this one or not. Um, if the Joker is in it, I don't think what's-his-name is playing the Joker in it. So. Joachim. Yeah, Joachim. Oh, he was good. Phoenix, who's kind of a pretentious asshole, but that's okay. He's an actor, what did you expect? Robert Pattinson, the new Batman. <laughs> Quite excited. And I don't really get excited for DC films. Especially now that they've totally ruined Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 84, which was so bad. Oh, was it? I don't so think I even watched that. Did I? Did I watch that? I think you watched you watched bits of it when you were walking through the living room while Silly and I were watching it. Oh, that's okay. Because it's on HBO Max, or it was on HBO Max. I don't know if it's there anymore. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I think Stelly and I may have put you off because even Stelly was like, 
what is wrong with these people? Well, I tell you, we were going to be not doing even the Pedro new... Pascal could could redeem it. We and I love him. We were going to be doing the new SpongeBob movie for our SpongeBob Patreon, but she doesn't seem to be that keen on that either. Yeah, she didn't like that. She didn't like it because it kind of it rewrites some SpongeBob history. <laughs> and the one thing not... that you can't break is the SpongeBob canon. She's... Yeah, she's not happy with that because she, even she, a 12-year-old girl, can see it as a money grab that they're kind of rewriting Spongebob history and creating this new cartoon where Spongebob, Sandy, and Patrick are all kids at a sleepaway camp. Oh, it's Muppet Babies? Oh, who cares? <laughs> Our mailbag. Wendy got in touch to say, seriously with this week? Peter's makeup looks like he's a geisha. And can everyone just calm the fuck <laughs> Speaking down, Speaking of the Joker. <laughs> Steve, really... There's no joy in the show at the moment. As Elvis says, what's so funny about peace, love and understanding? Yes. Elvis Costello, not Elvis Presley. <laughs> and then Joe wrote in. With a little back and forth with Joe this week. Joe, who marches to the beat of his own drum, says, Do you think Ted's fucking dad's ghost... Ted? Tim's fucking dad's <laughs> ghost will finally die when he falls off the roof. Or is he like Rasputin who cannot be killed? Also, is Tim's fucking dad still a paid-up member of the cast? Because he must still be recording ghost scenes. And long may they continue. He's a fan of the ghost either, of Tim's Either that or they're just, you know, using the same tape of him laughing over and over again. <laughs> it's just like, you know, when the Joker fell to his death from even even higher Ruth. And he had that recording of himself laughing in his pocket. The only jo- Joker who means anything to me, a.k.a. Jack Nicholson. In the first Batman movie, remember? Yeah. Michael Keaton, the only Batman I will Oof. ever love. I love Michael Keaton. I know this. <laughs> what? Hmm. You think I love George Clooney with his nipples? No, it's Christian welcome, Bale all the way. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> welcome to... Last year tonight, with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about the Angster Gangster. I remember, I remember Angster Gangster. That's Gary, isn't it? No. No. No, it was almost the opposite of Gary. <laughs> it was Roy. Roy was the Angster Gangster, according to Carla. Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. I this was because this now. he was fretting about lying to Nina about going back watching with these loser friends. Oh, yep. I remember that. <laughs> I was Gavin, and you were drinking the tears of billionaires. Yeah. Uh, this morning, I am—I have a firm belief in the ability and power of women to achieve. <laughs> An awful lot going on in that mug. Yep. It's a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt, if you, if you didn't recognize it. So I'm still politically minded with my mugs. I, on the other hand, I'm drinking from a <laughs> Welcome to Shawshank mug, which I bought from the Ohio State Penitentiary, which featured as... The, Shawshank. the Shawshank and the Shawshank yeah. Redemption. Well, I walked around the grounds with a dog. <laughs> you went inside. Yep. It's good. That was a good tour. That I enjoyed that. Yeah. Still kind when of sad that? I didn't get to do it. Because of the dog. Because of the dog. That was two years ago. Well. Anyway, <sighs> as we've been leading into over the last few episodes, this was the first week of us recording in the times of COVID lockdown and our permanent move to Saturday morning recordings. I think the Saturday morning recordings are. I think that's just what we do now, isn't it? It is. It is. And it's better. Let's be honest. Yeah, the Friday nights were... It was awful because you were up until like 2am. <laughs> Sometimes 4. 
if the Mac wasn't, wasn't, uh, wasn't playing ball. The engine fell out the Equinox $4,500 down at the start of a pandemic. That was good fun. Yeah. My working from home was estimated as lasting for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I, uh, I, it came up in my uh, Facebook memories <clears throat> that the governor had closed schools until April 5th, which makes, you know, which makes me laugh a little. April 5th. Yeah. What was the um, my memory of the last day of of being at work when my team got sent home and mostly everyone else got sent home. So uh, the the movement of people to their cars in the in the parking lot. Oh where God! I was carrying my laptop and tripping over the power cable because it kept on slipping off the. You know, I had it wrapped around. With it I thought we went over. to get your laptop later. Uh, people pushing their office chairs out of the building. There was people who had little uh, carts. Their all the, office all the chairs? Plants. They took their office chairs? People took monitors. People took keyboards. People took, you know, those uh, fancy lights. Mm-hmm. Took those little lights from their, from their desk. Those cost 200 bucks, by the way. Mm. There's like thousands of them in that place. You left your Funkos. I left my Funkos, my Slash and my Axl Rose and my guy from, guy from Silicon, Silicon Valley, Valley that we Valley. don't talk about anymore. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> James is outed and then manages to end himself back again. It was another week of departures on Corey as Ali realises that his hair still isn't quite short enough for future storylines <laughs> and he heads off to find a barber who can finish the job. Roy and Nina continue to be delightful with Roy telling his back people to go have fun with themselves after they disparage Nina's clothing choices and then lasagna is consumed. Eccles explains to Ken why I moved to Shady Acres maybe for the best. Gemma has some horrible friends and an absentee mother. Toya has transferable skills. Our moment of the week was Ken and Eccles as they left number one forever, which turned out not to be forever, and that was dedicated to the memory of one teddy dog. And our boring moment of the week was Ken and Claudia arguing over books, so Ken was our moment of the week and boring moment of the week. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year. Aww. What a year. What a year. It's felt like a hundred years and it's felt like one day. And it still but feels that way. But mostly a hundred years. Uh, Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Got a lot to get through this week. None of it good. <laughs> not, not a huge amount no of it. No joy in this week. None. No joy. Not one thing that made me happy. I found one bit of joy and it's my nomination for moment of the week. We'll get to that. Yeah, give us a give us an hour or so, and we'll get to it. <laughs> Our first storyline tonight, this morning, <laughs> just a year. Just been doing it for a year. I think because we talked about it, that's why you said yeah. it. Yeah, Sean's pyramid shenanigans. Oh, that's how we started the week. God, and it just went downhill from down, there, right? Put a flag in the sand. On Monday, Sean starts off the week in a super mood when Dylan texts that he's coming to visit. Eileen okays it, much to the disgust of Todd the Prick, who feels like he has no privacy when Dylan visits these days. Then get your own place. Yeah. Todd, Todd's weird, isn't he? Why? why? He has a, apparently a super sales job at the factory. All right. And he's never there. And he's living with his mum. Yeah. That's a, Carla lives with. Where does Carla live now? I think she's still at Roy's. Who's essentially her dad. <laughs> right. And she practically owns the. You know, it, 
it it doesn't make sense how any of these white half of these people live with other people. None of this makes sense. It's just so that the show doesn't have to build another set for another house. Other people are, yeah. Yeah. At the factory, Kirk is still pissed at Sean. I was glad that Kirk was still pissed at Sean. Yes. Making Sean feel like that shunned Amish woman from Witness. Todd points out that Harrison Ford was worth getting shunned for. That stupid pyramid scheme, not so much. Hmm. A decent line. Yeah. Then Ridian, who doesn't work at the factory. Not old Harrison Ford. Then Ridian, who doesn't work at the factory. Turns up to the the factory. This is making a mockery <laughs> of any security rules that they have at the factory Ridian! Right, especially during during COVID you'd think that they'd be like only X amount of people are allowed in at any given time Ridian turns up at the factory <sighs> unannounced, unchaperoned hmm. just walks right in he turns up at the factory to there's see no Sean. key card to get in <clears throat> No. outside in the rain Ridian sweet talks Sean telling him that by throwing a bit more money at this thing he could become a real success like him, get away from this factory in these hours. Carla walks by and says that she hopes Sean's not on her time. And then Kirk walks by and tells Ridian to move his fucking car. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk is still giving Sean the cold shoulder, shoulder later in the factory. Sean doesn't think this is fair and reckons that he's doing all this for Dylan. Maybe, says Kirk, but you don't need to shaft your mates in doing so. Kirk leaves and then takes a spill in the stockroom and it looks like Sean's boxes of shite makeup have something to do with the accident. And it's a leaky bottle in one of the boxes. Yes. Although Kirk is oddly okay. He's lying on his back, writhing in pain one minute, and then the next minute he's up and about and right. telling Nick that he's fine. This is not the first time something like this happens this week, though. Kirk must have landed on his head. But Nick isn't pleased. Oh! What are these boxes and fire them in my fucking factory? Kirk tells him, and uh, he was under the impression that Sean had Nick's blessing. Yeah. Oh, and a- also... About that, says Sean. And also... For a while there, Sean can't hear that Kirk is shouting for help because he has these big, massive headphones on. Right. Was that meant to be funny? Because <laughs> the woman behind him has also got earplugs in. You sounded like Jenny when you said that. Is that meant to be funny? <laughs> <sighs> Nick tells Kirk to take the rest of the day off and then explains to Sean that he's put him in a tricky position here. I don't want to have to fire you, he says. And Sean takes a hint and quits. For the best, says Nick. Now get your shite shifted right now. Sean agrees and then gives Eileen a quick call to talk about future box storage. At Roy's Rolls, Todd is laying it on thick about how Sean is a bit of a scumbag by continuing to take advantage of Eileen's good nature. You really do want your bedroom back, says Eileen, who sees through this faux concern. And Todd admits it, but he doesn't like seeing his mother being played for a mug by anyone that isn't him. Right, yeah. It's like, I'm the only... He's essentially the male Daisy, isn't he? The only The only person who can manipulate you in in your life is me and no one else is allowed near you right yeah when you said me old daisy for some reason i've pictured daisy as a lovely big cow (laughs) and todd as a smelly bull (laughs) (laughs) do you know some people can't imagine things like that some people's brains don't work that allow them to see images those are lucky people you're truly blessed (laughs) at the pub Gemma's wearing a grin mask right yeah that was hilarious I do like her mask Mm -hmm. you know because everybody else is just wearing like boring old like solid colour masks nobody else has made a statement like this and I'm actually frankly surprised Mm -hmm. that, that Sean didn't get a peacock mask to 
to match his peacock shirt. Right. And 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 um, Tyrone doesn't have a mask that says Boston on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we should have sent him. Or just something that says <laughs> some American places. <laughs> Gemma's wearing a grin face mask but insists that she's dead sad that Sean's lost his job. Sean tries to put a spin on it like he did the honourable thing and then in the next breath tells Eileen that he might need to owe her next month's rent. Eileen and particularly Todd aren't happy about this or the boxes that are now in the house not being sold. Sean didn't think it was an issue and then twigs that Todd's been whispering in Eileen's ear. Mm-hmm. Todd admits that he thinks Sean treats Eileen like a muppet. Eileen kind of agrees so Sean goes off knowing he's not wanted but saying he won't end up hopeless again. And no one cares. Nope. <sighs> Least of all, Carol. <laughs> I kind of had the idea that Carol was going to be the, the main kingpin in this pyramid scheme <laughs> and just set up purely to bring down Sean. But unfortunately, that doesn't look like it's going to happen. Unless she's above Ridian. Mm-hmm. Mm. On Wednesday, Ridian rolls up to see Sean, but bumps into Todd instead. Ridian's driving a convertible <laughs> Porsche Boxster, I think. Something that he says that he picked up last year and Todd is well impressed until a passing Abby reveals that it's a leased car that she and Kev do services for. And but, Ridian, but not like that. And Ridian offers uh, Todd a ride in his cockpit. Yeah, they don't waste any time, do they? <laughs> cockpit. Seriously, like 30 <laughs> seconds after meeting each other, they could have been getting a hole. <laughs> Smoke them if you got them. She says that the company specialise in short-term leases, so the guy's talking fucking bollocks if he said that he bought it. Todd asks if she could do some investigating for him to find out for sure. Abby tells him to get to fuck. Yeah, I love that. That was good. Meanwhile, Ridian has taken Sean to Roy's Rolls to show him a badly photoshopped picture of a man in a tree on the beach. It seems this (laughs) dude was just like Sean, only with worse numbers, and now he has six hollybobs a year, has five acres, a duck pond, and a hot tub that's not to be confused with a duck pond. Quack, quack, ouch. And he offers to help Sean climb that mountain. And during this, Sean manages to denounce Gemma as a friend. Oh, Gemma's not really a friend. Abby, though, has let her nose get the better of her and sensing an opportunity to possibly be the hero of someone else's story, she does some digging and reports back to Todd that this was a three-day lease. Just as I suspected, says Todd, and he trolls his moustache a little bit. At speed dial, Todd explains all this to Eileen. Sean's an idiot, but he doesn't deserve to be ripped off by this grifter. And as Sean wouldn't trust Todd as far as he could throw a knife into his back, Todd convinces Eileen to be the one to tell them that this Ridian character is a charlatan. He's no good. He's no good. He's no good. Baby, he no good. <laughs> so later in the pub, Eileen tries to tell Sean that he's been taken for a ride in a car that's on the three-day lease, but Sean isn't moved. He needs to make money so Dylan can be proud of him, and this makeup gig is all he has left. Then Ridian and Sean are back in Roy's roles. Ridian knows how to show Sean a really oh. good time. Yeah, seriously. Ridian asks for a frappuccino. Nina offers to throw some ice in a coffee. Mm-hmm. He tries to impress Sean with talk of a seminar But Sean's in a mood Not interested in schmoozing And wants to know what Ridian's deal is Because he knows about the car And Ridian admits that he uses smoking mirrors It's all part of the skill set when you're a salesman But he says Sean could really own that kind of car if he wanted And it's so rare that he gets excited by looking at raw talent But that's what he's looking at right now Raw something <laughs> Not <talent>. Sewage <laughs> Let's play Family Feud. Complete the <laughs> raw blank. Dog. Sex. 
sewage. Sewage for 100 points. He wants Sean at that conference hosting, hosting part of the seminar. What do you say? <laughs> what could Sean teach people? Like, about could, selling things. About anything. And he must say yes because the next we see Sean, he's outside the house with Todd bragging about how he's going to be the next big thing. And then some joker called Mervyn rolls up in a flash merc that Ridian is leasing for Sean. Sean is going places, so fuck you, Todd. Fuck you right in the ear. And the earth. Oh, that's as far as we get with that this week. Why did they... Why, I thought we were all done with this stupid storyline. You and saw then that they last week. Brought, yeah, and then they brought it back last week, and now... Now we've been introduced why? to various, presumably Welsh people, Ridian and Mervyn. We're going to have Jones, the makeup salesman, next week, I think. Are you enjoying this story? I don't think you are. What a useless storyline this is. I, I think at this in this day and age, don't don't most people know that pyramid schemes are bad? I don't know. I've I got, mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, psychics on TV, isn't it? Is it's all of these things that are like throwbacks to the nineteen nineties. Say it properly. There you go. I don't know. I have friends at work who are salespeople for Roden and Fields and say that it's not a pyramid scheme, even though it absolutely is. Yeah. They think and Mway is still a thing. <laughs> and Mway's almost a cult more than a pyramid scheme at this point. Just like that Nexium, only without the sex. <laughs> people who sell Mway do not have sex ever with anyone but their wives. Okay. The whole. Um, Sean thing though is there seems to be a threat of him becoming homeless or losing everything again when we when we did this a couple of years ago right and so we're not going to do it again where so there's not a threat and of that at that happening. point you know what happened he claimed to have this really big job coming so he quit the factory because of you know this thing that was supposed to happen and then it didn't happen. Yeah, we're basically regurgitating that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Except we've got added stupidity added on to stubbornness. Right, and more of a lack of sympathy because he's been throwing his friends under the bus with it. Yeah, not his friends. Gemma, who represents his friends? It's not his friends. Hmm. Yeah. And that's actually got me thinking that Todd's not 100% wrong about something for a change. Yeah. Yeah, it's forcing us to sympathise with Todd, and we don't like that. I will never forgive this. No. Never. And it seems to be trying to make us care about Sean, and we just <laughs> don't anymore because he's he's been so awful that it's like we don't care mm -hmm. if something bad happens to him. You know, I guess I would feel bad for Dylan... But he's got a nice stepdad, so... I'd have to listen back to to what we thought at the time, but I, I think I was a little bit sympathetic for for Sean's situation before. Yeah, I was I, pretty... I probably I was, wasn't, but I think I was. I was quite sympathetic to his situation. Time, I think I'd quite enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you deserve. Right. He's had so many years to... 
to sort himself out it's and like, become something. It's like they just don't know what to do with this they have character. No idea. They have no idea what to do with this character because initially he was kind of written as comic relief and to be kind of this stereotype of the gay man. They can't really do that anymore. Right, there's much better gay characters in it now. Right, and also it's kind of icky to play gay people as stereotypes. You know, it's much better having a gay football player and a gay priest and a, well, I guess the gay priest is a stereotype too, but you know what mm-hmm. I mean. And the, you know, gay Paul. <laughs> <laughs> enough, anyway. Enough about lots Sean. Of, lots of the gays. Let's move on and talk about Peter's lover next. <sighs> Oofed. On Monday, Carla is visiting Peter and offers to skive off work to spend a day with him, but he's already off back to bed. When Steve comes in, she reveals that she's worried about him, and so is Steve, but he's going to be home all day and will keep an eye on him, because he's good at that. And he has been. Mm-hmm. And until you know, he becomes he got... very, very bad at that. Yes, yes. So later, Steve is going to have someone's eye out with that empty cup that he's thrown around. Peter feels like he needs something to occupy his endless days. Beyond so, the jigsaw puzzles. And so after a fashion, he talks Steve into letting him work a few shifts on the switch at streetcars. Yeah. Steve's initial, you, you can't be driving cars. No. <laughs> I'd like to say, contrary to uh, our correspondent, I really enjoyed, uh, and I enjoyed last week as well, Peter's makeup. He looks fucking awful. You can see like right here, there's like a spot where they missed a spot. So like, White, 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 and then kind of normalish skin. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, because I thought he looked gaunt and drawn and looked like he'd lost a ton of weight. Yeah, they, they, they were, they were a little heavy-handed with that white pancake, I think. So on his way, Peter's got a couple of coffees from Roy's, and he drops them on the ground. <clears throat> Those cups are full, or at least they're full in the aftershock. Simon, who should be off with Jacob in another storyline here, uh, sees this and panics, but Peter explains that he's fine. <coughs> this is just what happens when you quit drinking. Simon takes him at his word and walks off, ignoring the spilled coffee cups and carrier that are on the ground, leaving them for his dad to pick up, I guess. Right, or for no one to pick <laughs> up. At the factory, Carlo's trying to conduct business with Lucas, but Lucas wants to talk about Peter and the chaos of living with an <sighs> addict. <laughs> he's really... D- How quickly the, the, he's fallen. <laughs> The problem with Lucas is that he's really just projecting his own life onto Carla, you know, because he's had this relationship with this woman who was an addict and... And has successfully navigated his way through that, through through her death. Yes. I wouldn't call that a success, success necessarily. Well, he's not, he's not dead. Right. So (laughs) if that's your benchmark, then I guess he's cleared it. Yeah. Mix those metaphors. Yeah. There's something wrong with Lucas's head. Not just the quiff. Oh, I like his hair. Anyway, Anyway. he offers his ear again, but it can't be here. It needs to be somewhere nice. Perhaps with a view. Competitive early rates and booze. Simon runs into Ken, who always seems to be dressed like an elderly serial killer these days. (laughs) All in black with gloves. Wouldn't that be a real turn up? It turns out that Ken's been a serial killer all these years. Oh, I'd love that. I would too. <laughs> the clues have been there. All along. <laughs> this is why he's the longest living person on the street. Because he's killed everybody else. <laughs> Simon explains how bad his dad was looking earlier. 
Ken tells them not to worry about it too much and they go off to have a tea and a catch-up. Which is nice. Yep. Because it means that we're, we're putting off Simon's horrible storyline for a little bit. And Car- like people are actually caring about Simon for once. Yep. Carol and Lucas have retreated to the Rovers. He tells her that she needs a break from everything, then proceeds to go on about how difficult it is to live with an addict and how uh, the addiction comes before anything or anyone else. Again, he's projecting his own situation onto Carla. Mm-hmm. Simon and Ken are at Roy's Rolls. Ken's advice for Simon is to let the grown-ups worry about Peter. He's always there if Simon needs to talk, and then Ken gets a call about him leaving his glasses to the chemist and couldn't abandon Simon any quicker. <laughs> I'm always here for you. Cheerio. Bye! <laughs> Peter hasn't made it to streetcars and instead is in a pretty bad state on the couch at home. When Steve gets in, he's initially surprised and then angry that people moved their shifts to work with Peter, but then he becomes convinced that Peter is in fact pished and Peter is too breathless to put up any kind of defence. To and be his fair, makeup has gotten even worse. To be fair, Peter does look and sound kind of bloated, but Steve refuses to let him finish a sentence and shouts, Not on my watch! And he goes round the house locking doors and ignoring Peter's vain attempts to explain. <laughs> Do you know, reflection that is kind of just typical Steve, though, isn't it? He gets an idea in his head, <sighs> and that's him. And he just runs with it. Right. Back in the pub. Lucas is now boring Carla with details of his fitness regime, but he quickly oh, turns God. it around to he his just... mental health after Lucy's passing. The price of love, he says. It, it, every every sentence just makes him just that <laughs> much more just deplorable. The man shaves. <laughs> Carla realises that her phone is out of juice during all of this, which is going to be useful later on. Right, yeah. She realises her phone is out of juice... Does not pull a charger out of her purse. Does not say, you know, let me run back home and grab my charger because I have this really sick boyfriend and I also have a factory to run. So it's kind of important for me to have. She's just like, oh, it's dead. No biggie. Mm -hmm. Who does that? Who does that? Nobody does that. (laughs) Steve leaves a message with Carla as Peter has managed to tell Steve that he needs help. But Steve misinterprets the plea. Of course you do, you worthless alky. Peter insists that he's sober, but then can't stand up. Steve needs to go back to work and decides to lock Peter in the house. And he keeps... Steve keeps repeating this really awful thing that people in real life do say over and over and over again. The whole, understand it's a disease, but... (laughs) What that really means is, I don't understand it's a disease, and... (laughs) Right, absolutely. (laughs) Lucas is ready to move on to someplace else, but Carla wants to check on Peter. You do what you have to do, says Lucas, who's suddenly Northern Irish, I think. You don't have to justify (laughs) yourself to me. When he was in a similar situation, he didn't know when to say no. So Carla says, fuck it, and goes into time with Lucas. When Steve gets home, Peter is literally begging for an ambulance, but Steve has cracked into the sanctimonious pills that he keeps stashed at streetcars and continues to berate Peter. Sure, he's drunk. Look at you, giving chances for my Oliver. And then when Peter doesn't know who Oliver was, Steve throws 20 quid at Peter, tells him to drink himself to death, and then leaves. Right. Even if he was drunk, even if he was really, really, really drunk, if somebody says, I need an ambulance, you call a fucking ambulance. (laughs) If somebody is so drunk, they realize that they need medical help. You get the medical help. What is wrong with Steve? This is so bad. 
like why would you leave someone who's so ill and 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 Steve's charge? Why would nobody check on Steve? So Steve goes to the florist to see Tracy to complain about Peter. They get back to the house with the intention of taking Peter to bed, but not like that. And Peter is dead to me after that, says Steve, rather foreboding. Mm. Tracy opens the door and gasps as she finds that Peter is sparked out on the floor. Then Steve, who doesn't work at the factory, rushes round to the factory to look for Carla, but Nick hasn't seen her all afternoon and she's not answering her phone. Steve explains about Peter being paralytic and on his way to hospital. Nick thinks Carla needs to dump his sorry ass after all of this is done. Then later at the tram station, Steve finally finds Carla, half cut with Lucas, and he tells her that Peter's in hospital and he's been drinking again. I knew it, says Carla, and she rushes away Rushes away as Lucas visibly deflates as he realises that he's not going to be getting his hole. Nope. On Wednesday, Carla goes to see Peter in hospital and she's not for believing him when he insists that he wasn't drinking. According to Steve, he was singing sea shanties and flogging Roger the cabin boy within an inch of his life. Timbot4000 says ho 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 and a bottle of rum. Indeed. He has no memory of drinking and had no intention to do so and he asks that she hangs around for his consultant visit. Then Lucas turns up at the hospital and he sees Carla in the hospital waiting room and after a short catch-up where he slyly puts Peter down, he asks Carla, someone that he's seen maybe four, five times... To go back to Devon with him. He paints a picture of beach walks, <sighs> roaring fires and big jumpers. Carla can't believe that he's hitting on her right now. And he asks if it doesn't appeal. Steve pops in. You had me at big jumpers, he says. <laughs> and he wasn't kidding. If it was him, he needs a big jumper. <laughs> if it was him, he would go. Lucas looks like he's giving it some... <laughs> Lucas looks... <laughs> like he's giving it some thought. That's what I've written down. <laughs> <laughs> Carla says this oh, isn't okay. how it works Lucas is only an old friend With all the people Peter is threatening to take down with him Steve advises looking after number one Then goes in to see the man that he's been badmouthing For five minutes uninterrupted Right, yeah It's like, leave him, ditch him I'm going to go see him <laughs> Kane arrives and he, like Carla Are about ready to stick a fork in the Peter burger it's done. Steve's visit with Peter has mostly been a shouting affair and he goes home telling the others that he's on call if more shouting is required later. Then Carla goes in. Peter's had so many lectures today he feels like he's at university. That was hilarious. And, <clears throat> and miraculously, miraculously, with like no IV or anything, he's just sitting in a bed and he's sitting up and he's talking normal. He's no longer pale. Yeah, his complexion is completely better. His complexion better. is completely better. Everything mm-hmm. is completely better. Well, people do look better in hospital, don't they? Something about the lights. But Carla's tired of this. Tired of standing in this spot. Tired it's a of being, miracle. Being there to reassure him, fix him. And when he tells her that he needs her, those aren't the words that she wants to hear. She loves him, but she's bailing. She can't clear up the mess when one set of best intentions after another fails. And then finally, a fucking consultant arrives. That's NHS for you. Right, yeah. And this whole thing, you just know they've written it this way so that everybody can yell and berate Peter. It's the old... Oh, we have to wait for the consultant, but we're all going to, you know, cut ties with you and yell and scream at you and don't believe you. Let's insert the uh, airplane gif at this <laughs> moment where the woman is getting beaten up by the line of people. <laughs> the consultant explains that basically what was wrong with Peter was due to a build-up of toxins because of his liver damage. 
Because of his drinking? Asked Carla. Only historically. But he was, but was he drunk? Asked Carla. No, no, he wasn't. And this is what happens when people believe Steve MacDonald. Tell you, says Peter. <laughs> Carla is overcome with regret and apologises while Peter's eyes notch up something that he can hold over her at a later date. But for now, he chooses to be humble. He didn't deserve her trust or belief because he's uh, let her and everyone else down so often in the past. He wants to put it all behind them, but he insists that if she stays, it has to be because she wants to. Carla looks agreeable. She has to do what makes her happy. And now Carla doesn't look so sure. But she goes to the factory to pick out some stuff and of course Lucas is there waiting, expecting her to run off with him. She says that she was never running away with him. And I think that's an interesting way of putting it. She was never running running away with him. She was running away. Right. The thought of running away was there, but it wasn't right. really running away with, with him. With him, yeah. Like she was going to leave Peter, but not for him. Right. She was running away from something. Right. But her place is with Peter. He does his level best to convince her that she'll be letting uh, that she'll be let down again, that she's making a huge mistake. And how does he get his hole off of her if she's with Peter? She tells him to fuck <laughs> off. She loves Peter, and that's all there is to say about that. So Ken's with Peter, and he buys his forgiveness with a copy of Practical Boat Owner. When Ken leaves, Lucas of all people comes in. He wants Peter to let Carla go. He really says that. And he also says, he also really says that he loves he Carla. He loves Carla. He really what? says that too. He really says that he loves some uh, this woman that he barely knows. Barely knows. And what he does know of her is no longer true. Right, yeah. And was based on a lie. He's <gasps> asked her to move away with him. Peter is understandably reluctant to listen to this, but Lucas isn't for stopping. He doubts Carla loves him. He doubts that Peter even loves himself. Even Peter's friends think this relationship is a car crash and he uh, she should go off with Lucas. Unfortunately, it looks like Peter is giving this Muppet's whole driven speech some consideration. Yeah, but what, he, yeah, he 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 gives it pause when when he says about uh, Carla's friends thinking that it was a good idea. Peter's Wait a second, Carla thinking, has friends. Fucking Steve. Fucking <laughs> Steve again. He tells Carla everything when she comes back. She says that he had no right to do any of that, but she refuses to be held responsible for what goes on in someone else's head, which is absolutely true. She loves Peter. She's not leaving with Lucas, and she's made that abundantly clear. Peter believes her and is actually thankful that it's given him a shake. She reckons that they're inevitable. I'm not sure that's a good adjective to use to describe a relationship. Yeah. And that she's given up fighting it. Now, here's a new toothbrush. (laughs) Later, a rather sheepish Steve comes in to apologise. Peter can forgive that, but he explains that he knows about Steve's advice to Lucas, and that he cannot forgive. At home, I mean, it wasn't even really advice, and it was just Steve being very angry because he couldn't remember yeah. Oliver. Right, right. That is That's the, it. the entire basis of the Steve's anger. The whole basis is that, yeah. yeah. At home, Steve tries to explain to Ken and Tracy that it was an honest mistake, and he didn't have all the information. <laughs> Tracy backs Steve up. Peter looked and sounded drunk, she says. His word isn't worth anything. And let's face it, he's a fucking nightmare to live with. In that case, says Ken, sling your hooks and look for somewhere else to live. Timbot4000 says shit just got interesting. <laughs> yeah, no Indeed. Shit. On Friday, Carla meets Tracy outside number one and announces Peter will be getting home later. Tracy tells Steve, who has to pretend to be thrilled. He promises again to apologise, which he's already done, kind of, but points out that uh, if he'd been right about everything, about Peter being drunk, Carla would have thanked him. 
Yeah, that's kind of a big if, though, isn't it? Right. Tracy says, right. <laughs> Tracy says, everything will work out. Don't worry about it. Right, says Carla. Who really right. does say right. 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 Peter's home and he and Steve immediately start arguing. Steve apologises but doesn't really mean it. Peter's, Again. Peter's on his high horse but doesn't appreciate how drunk he looked and sounded because he really did sound and look drunk. Tracy leaves him two outside and Amy is the voice of adult reason and reminds her mum Once that, again. that if Ken comes home and they're still arguing, they'll all be sleeping with Carol tonight. Oh, pig's tits, says Tracy. And this is why Amy is not in another storyline. <laughs> Steve goes back with some chocolates as a peace offering. Peter's favourite. Mm. But Peter isn't for making this easy for Steve, so he lays the box down on the side table. He apologises yet again, but it was really difficult watching what he was putting Carl and Ken through, and then he has to apologise for saying that. He goes off to meet Amy at Speeddal and makes an offering for Peter to get a takeaway, but Peter's not for accepting it. New. And he looks like he's ready to nick those chocolates back on his way out until yeah. Peter throws him a dirty look and he leaves those chocolates be... <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious because I was sitting watching that as Steve's about to leave the room right? and I thought it would be really funny if you just threw a wee glance down at those chocolates and then yeah. he did I thought, oh no he's going to take the chocolates back <laughs> and he thought about it he, he did think about it that, is that your one moment of joy this week? <laughs> that was it <laughs> that was it the look on this whole thing there was so much said in that oh. brief Five seconds scene <laughs> where the look of uh, retracting an offered gift it's hilarious. was given. Yeah. And then it was burned away by uh, Peter's, Peter's response to it. Yeah. And then Steve's kind of sheepish uh, realisation that he's been caught right. as he walked out. Yeah. I was chuckling away good style at that. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> it was brilliantly done. <laughs> and it was needed. Yeah. Oh, something like that was so needed. Oh. I wonder if that was. Uh, I wonder if that was um, improved. It had that feel about it. It did. I don't think that's something. I think that'd be something that'd be really difficult to direct someone to do. Right. Just that quick, <laughs> just throwing down that glance. Yeah. Was, yeah, it had a kind of natural feel to it, didn't it? It really did. So much to unpack about uh, this storyline. <sighs> Nothing to unpack about the storyline. Nothing? Nothing. Because we've already unpacked this storyline over and over and over again. Yeah. I think the, the Lucas, Lucas is freaking nuts. Lucas huh? is crazy. Oh, yeah. This is the one thing. It's like before it just seemed like he was just a nice guy who kind of sort of had a crush on Carla. But now it's like he just he can't let it go. And he's saying crazy things like he loves her and run away to Devon with me. It makes me feel like he might be dangerous. Uh, well, yes. I think you touched on... Um, you, you touched on... Kind the fact of that my it's projection. Yeah. Right. He starts off, as you said, just being someone who has been through it. Uh, they have a, a slight history of having fun in Devon. Right. Try to imagine what the fun in Devon... Yeah, there is just someone who's been there, done that, has mm -hmm. a t-shirt kind of thing. Someone for Carla to talk to who can appreciate the situation. And he just slowly but and slowly what, becomes really crazy. I don't think slowly and slowly at all. I thought very, very dramatically became a fucking head case. Right. And 
and like you said about the whole projection thing, Carla said, I don't want, that's not what I, I'm waiting my whole life for someone to hear saying is that I need you. That's not what he's, that's not what she wants to hear. What she right. wants to hear is I love you, which right. is what Lucas says to her. Right. Well, she, he doesn't even say that to her. He has not told Carla he loves her. He told Peter he loves Carla. Oh, that's true. Yeah. He hasn't even said it to her. But it, it seemed that Lucas may as well not exist. All he is as a character is Carla's uh, romantic notion of what she's looking for in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And then she's looking at Peter lying on that bed and then mm-hmm. realising that she can't keep on standing there any longer. Right. But but she doesn't want Lucas. No. And someone pointed out on Twitter that all he did is just roll his eyes at her. Yeah. Every time, every time she says something that's to do with Peter, right. he's just so dismissive. Yeah. <laughs> really, that's who you want to... No. That's a character? That's a, the self-centred character you want to... No. Of course you don't. <sighs> you have a look that you want to move on to Lena's dead dog story. I really don't, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like we what, have... what is with What is with characters on this show naming their dogs after mythological characters? First Cerberus and now Romulus. Yeah, I don't have an answer yes, to that. A nine-year-old girl named her Doggy. I don't think Romulus. she was responsible for naming it. She said it was her dog yeah. that she's had mm-hmm. since she was a little girl. She went out and bought that dog. Somebody bought it for her. That was a family dog. <laughs> the, the family have named the dog. You don't let a nine-year-old name a dog. That's that's how you get animals like like our cat, <laughs> black and white spotted kitten. Mm-hmm. It doesn't answer to it though. <laughs> he answers to black and white. Like when he's over in Janet's yard and I'll shout at him, black and white, what are you doing you over there? You could shout anything to him and he would come over. And and he runs over. <laughs> you can also go, and he comes over. Well, you can do that to any cat. That's kind of my point. Alina's dead dog. <laughs> On Monday, Tyrone and Fizz are leaving the house, Fizz winding Ty up about his yoga capabilities. And along comes Lena, who asks Ty if he'll be going to class later. And flustered, Tyrone explains that he's going jogging instead with Steve. Ty rushes away. Apparently, Alina looks disappointed and Fizz looks confused. Apparently Evelyn has challenged Tyrone to a standing on your head contest. Yeah. And Fizz is saying, Tyrone, you don't want to do that. Not because she has concern about Evelyn's, you know, age and ability to do a headstand, but because she's concerned about Tyrone's ability to do a headstand. <laughs> yeah. Later at home, Fizz brings up Alina doing yoga too and how it was her mat. And Tyrone acts very defensively and then rushes away to go for a run when Fizz says, anyone would think that you fancied Alina the way that you're behaving. Mm-hmm. But she says it in like a jokey manner. She's not like mad or accusing. No, because she's looking at Tyrone. <laughs> when he gets back, the badgering continues and Tyrone continues to be unimpressed even when Fizz says that she hasn't got a problem with it if he does fancy Alina. But rather than answer... Tyrone goes back to work Mm -hmm. and when he comes back because all he seems to do on Monday is go out and come back in again Fizz has run him a bath as an apology she then pretty much undoes all that by continuing to rip Tyrone about Alina by saying that uh, he's much too old for her and she's way out of his league they go have your bath and try not to imagine Alina in it with you Tyrone is not amused but goes off for his bath 
On Wednesday, at home, Alina is sobbing uncontrollably, <coughs> but not in a nick kind of way, a proper kind of way. It seems her childhood dog back in Romania has chased its last squirrel and is no more. Do they have squirrels in Romania? It's a dead dog. Her dog is dead. She's very upset and has taken a day off work. Seb, who apparently knew about this dog but has erased it from his memory once he and Alina split up, could not <laughs> give a solitary fuck he really and continues to get ready for work. She gets far more sympathy with Tyrone when she bumps into him on the street later. She shows him a picture and he very much likes the look of Alina's puppy. He asks her... <clears throat> well, as we know, he has a soft spot for dogs named after mythological characters. He asks her if he can do anything to cheer her up and she asks him to buy her a coffee. He agrees, making this the third time that they've inappropriately brought, bought coffee together. In Roy's roles, they end up exchanging shaggy dog stories when Sarah comes in, pissed that Alina took the day off because of a fucking dog dying. Tyrone stands up for Alina, and Sarah finally relents when she remembers a pet rabbit that she thinks was called Benny, that Tyrone has to correct as Barney. <laughs> Tyrone na- knows the name of your brother's rabbit. It points out that, you know, both David the dog and Barney the do- rabbit were David's pets, not Sarah's. <laughs> Realising that she's taken her bad mood out on Alina, she apologises. It happens, says Tyrone. (laughs) (laughs) Seb takes Alina to the pub for a drink. (sighs) He orders a pint and she asks for a small wine. Seb reckons that that was her dog's last words. A A small small wine. wine. Uncharacteristically funny from Seb. Yes. He takes it back, blaming not having ever had a pet and just generally being a shitty person. Right, because she's like, that's not funny, my dog's dead. (laughs) Later. <coughs> you think it's funny because you are unwholesome. Who? You. Think what's funny? You thought the whole small wine thing was funny. I think Seb thought it was funny. Oh, I thought you thought it was funny because you said being funny. Seb uncharacteristically funny. Yeah, well, he never really tries to be funny or is funny ever. Yeah, I guess. He's just a moan with those shoulders. Well, sometimes he has good banter with his mum. It can mm. be funny with her. Yeah. Later, Seb, Alina, Todd and Emma are playing Snog, Marry, Avoid. Todd invites Alina to share her answers, but she plays it all coy and goes goes off for a while. The milder version of Fuck, Marry, Kill. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Snog, Marry, Avoid. It was a a TV show. I think it might have been a TV show. Avoid standing in for kill. (laughs) Let's hope so. And Seb seems to misinterpret this as having another go at her. No. Well, he doesn't, but he thinks that he's in again. Right, yeah. Only a week and a half after he was checking out Nina's ass. Remember that? Remember he was checking out Nina's ass? Oh, he was as well? Yeah. And he's like, well, she's a lesbian now, so never mind. <laughs> but maybe Or bisexual. Who knows? We're not quite sure. We, we don't like labels. We're, we're doing this. <sighs> Every time I say we're doing this, I kind of hope that we're not doing this, but we're doing this. So now we're going to have a love triangle with Alina, no, Seb, no, and Tyrone. No, no, no. Alina, Seb, and Tyrone. Let's try and get a portmanteau out of that. Alina likes Tyrone, and Seb thinks she's talking about him. Yeah. I'm quite looking forward to him getting knocked down a peg or two again. <laughs> That'll be quite amusing. But the whole Tyrone and Alina thing... And Emma thinks Brian would be the one to marry, as opposed to avoid. (laughs) Poor Brian. 
Brian, who's been in a long-term relationship with Kathy with no indication that he wants to marry her. Emma thinks that's... He's still playing the field. <laughs> Emma thinks that's him being steady and reliable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Ah, poor Kathy. I suppose going to regret this kind of... Teasing? Mm-hmm. Big. Yeah, because, I mean, she does go a bit far by saying that Tyrone is way out of Alina's league. It's true, though. It's true. You know, but she's like, oh, this is funny and I'm not at all threatened because you're too hideous for Alina. <laughs> yeah. That's not something you really want to say to your partner, is it? That is actually what came up in the uh, closed <laughs> captions for that scene. <laughs> you're too hideous. <laughs> they go have a fucking wash because you stink. <laughs> Yeah. Aye, aye, aye. It'd be easy to misinterpret for <laughs> what said Right, he, he could take it as a challenge now Well you said I couldn't get her So I went and I got her Ha ha I'm trying to think of uh, Tyrone's And Sis is typically um, really like jealous and grabby And you know She doesn't like other ladies looking at Tyrone Tyrone I think historically kind of Plays kind of Fairly With affairs of the heart hmm. Or at least I can't think of any I'm sure there have been instances Where he's done the dirty on someone But he's usually the one that's that's dirtied Or oh, did he dirty Maria? I think he might have dirtied Maria I thought it was Maria who dirtied him oh, Or am I just getting this wrong deliberately So we can talk about it next week in Hindsight Corner <laughs> Or am I just saying that to cover up the fact that I don't know We'll never know. It's a paradox. Moving on. Our next story is Tim's mum about the house. (laughs) Y'all don't want to know how long it took (laughs) to write that. (laughs) Many consultations were had. We had a um, a focus group <laughs> of uh, some some uh, neighbours and and people in the industry. We had to fly Jay Z in <laughs> with a whole thing. I listened to the theme of Man About the House, right? And tried to build something that kind of sounded enough Adjacent. like it, but not enough like it, right? So it's. Kind of I like think our, it's kind of the same notes in a different order. It's kind of like last, last year tonight. <laughs> I think we found what I do when I'm creating This is music. Gab's creative process right it's here. Just, to make it close enough. But not too close. But not actionable. <laughs> Pretty much. So we said last week that this should have its own theme tune. And now it does. And now it does. On Monday. <laughs> She's not kidding. That did take me fucking hours. <laughs> On Monday, at speed dial, Yasmin is explaining to Alia and Ryan her reasons for asking Tim's mum to stay. Tim's mum is the only person who really understands what Yasmin went through, and the two of them can really help each other. Alia has a minor concern about Tinkerbell, but Tim's mum has apparently promised to find her a forever home, so you don't have to worry about that. Tim's mum has moved in and brought Tinkerbell with her after all. Rehousing the yappy wee shite was more tricky than Tim's mum thought. Maybe Alina's in the market for a new dog. (laughs) Alia seems overly pissed off by this and isn't soothed when Tim's mum produces a chocolate and orange truffle cake as a moving in gift. Yeah, Alia's favourite. And Alia defends herself saying 
No, she likes animals. She likes chickens and some other things. She just doesn't like dogs. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't like dogs? I'll tell you who doesn't like dogs. Who? <laughs> <laughs> the guy who supposedly got bit by Biden's dog chief at the White House earlier this, this week. And so poor chief and major had to go back to Delaware while Mrs. Biden are... I'm concerned that... Going back to Delaware and inverted commas as a euphemism for something a little bit more final. No, no, it's just while well, Mrs. Mrs. Biden or Doctor Biden, as 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 I prefer to think of her, because that's what she is, Doctor Biden. You're arguing with yourself. <laughs> I know, it's early. Um, was was away, and that's one of the reasons why they were kind of left to their own devices. Because apparently, she's the one who's really. The dog parent in the Biden household. Are you surprised? Well, Joe has had a lot of work to do in the past few weeks, cleaning up after Leah. somebody else's mess Leah, who Jasmine doesn't like dogs. Jasmine has invited the undertaker around to apologize for her behavior last week. She's ready to move forward now and sell the community center to him. Make me an offer. But sadly, the undertaker in another week has found another place. It's, it's the old council place that Daniel and Sinead and then Brian and Cathy were looking to buy. And so has therefore been available for all this time. Two years. Wait, was it was it Claudia on this too that she wanted that place and was going to put I a think new that's sp- the same place? <laughs> oh, pig's tits, says Jasmine. And, and that's that, that's unfortunate because that's not quite close as close as. Uh, right. Yeah. That's clo- that is pretty it's close. close, though. but it's not as close. Over some vino, Yasmin is explaining her day with the undertaker. Then Tim's mum says that she's been able to rehome Tinkerbell, so Alia will be. Uh, having one less thing to bitch about. And then she's got Yasmin a gift. It's a framed poem, Dare to Self-Care by Ms. Moam. Speak kindly to your inner self. Don't take your demon's view. You are you, and no one else will lead the life you do. Kill your inner critic and silence all his chatter. Then write this truth inside your brain. If you need me, I'll be on the shitter. I'm worth it and I matter. <clears throat> Is there really a Ms. Moam? Mm-hmm. Quite famous. For writing shite. <laughs> For writing rhyming shite. She, she might as well have just, you know, brought her a live, laugh, love poster. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, do you know? It's fine. We're going to sound very elitist and snobby here. Because we are when it comes to poetry. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially me, because I know you British people still like your poems to be all rhymey, rhymey. Whereas we Americans have evolved <laughs> from from there. But I don't know if it's a purely British thing about rhyming poetry. I think people who don't like poetry like rhyming poetry. Or don't understand poetry think that all poetry is supposed to rhyme. Mm-hmm. But we digress. Yeah. There's a guy who used to... Actually... Away with you, demon. When I was at Alawa Writers, which was now probably 20 years ago, uh-huh. there was a guy there who only, he said they weren't poems. He wrote verse, that's what he said. Verse. That's rhyming poetry. And for five years I tried to get him to write something that didn't rhyme, and he just refused. <laughs> he couldn't, he just couldn't. He just couldn't do it. Even when you show him good examples of poetry that doesn't rhyme, write something like that. 
He just couldn't use the same notes that are kind of close, but not B- because too argu- close to arguably it's harder to write blank verse than rhymey rhymey verse. <laughs> rhymey rhymey. In fairness, we have hanging in our bathroom uh, this this vintage Dutch postcard that has live laugh love written on it, but it's written in Pennsylvania Dutch. Right, so that's where, that's where we become t- uh, pretentious. And right, right, you're right there is where yeah. So it's hilarious. <laughs> so it doesn't count. It's not like big cursive painted letters. It's meant to be funny. Anyway. That, anyway. That is the end of the first episode of Tim's Mum About the House. You know, there is a campaign to uh, to to have the the two of them become romantically involved. I can love with that. And that would be nice because you know, it would be um, it would be Yasmin living her truth. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Our next storyline today is beggars can't be choosers. On Monday. Abby has some great news for Kev. Oh. It turns out this dive place she used to go to see bands at, Beggar's Paradise, hence Beggar's Cambridge, has a new owner and they're now doing functions like weddings. She's booked them in for an 11 o'clock <laughs> appointment to check it out and Kev is giddy with delight. Only not really. He has shaved though. All of a sudden his beard's gone. Fell off with a frostbite, I think. <laughs> but after viewing, they're looking for 1,800 quid and they've gone all upmarket, which puts Abby off, even though Kev was kind of up for it. And... You know, they, they still have some graffiti on the walls, mm-hmm. only now it's, it's been in a gold frame. frame yeah. According to Debbie, the owner goes to work <sighs> in a penny farthing, or on a penny farthing. Right, yeah, so yeah, this is this is yet again the show trying to mock millennials mm-hmm. and... and um, like that guy that was going like to... Like the guy with the, <laughs> with the hair. That was going to... Um, yeah, he was going to sue Shona or something. <laughs> right. She mentions them the Chariot Square Hotel that thanks to Ray Weinstein, the mere mention of which triggers half the female population of Manchester, it would be her wedding present, freeing up cash for their honeymoon. Abby tells her to get to fuck. Kevin's wallet look like they're giving it some thought. Yeah, this sort of thing does happen all the time, though, because some of the like dark, gross places that I used to go to, to dance and stuff in my teens and early 20s have now been gentrified. Yeah, it happens all the time. Happens all the time. It sucks. Sometimes it moves in the other direction. <laughs> and that, we don't, don't look as fondly on, on no. those movements. No, mm. Mm. Later, Kev tries to sweet talk Abby round. With that extra money, they could go to Mexico, the Bahamas, Australia. That last one on the list dot, is a dot, bit of an dot. instant regret. Yeah. Why should we accept and forgive? Uh, Debbie asks Abby, just because you're a man and you hate conflict. Yep. <laughs> At least he knows who he is. Abby and Kev go to see Debbie and have other places to see, but they'll consider her offer. Kev goes off for a shite and Abby makes it quite clear that she's only doing this for Kev and she'll turn her back once on Debbie and that's to take her vows. Other than that, she'll be keeping her eye on her. On Friday, Abby's found a couple more options for the wedding venue. One of them has a helipad. That'll prove useful. Kev still <laughs> thinks that Debbie's so offer... So that Abby and Kev can... Could fly their helicopter there. This is the their helicopter that they have stored in the back of the. The extent of Kev's garage. imagination is maybe we'll find a place that has a W on it for Webster. Uh, 
Kev still thinks that Debbie's offer is best because it's a freebie. If that's so important, says Abby, let's just stay at home and open a bag of crisps and save everyone <laughs> some money. She sticks to her guns and starts sending Debbie photographs of better wedding venues and promises to keep doing so until Kev tells her that it's a no to the hotel. Right. So Debbie goes round to see Kev later. Uh, Kev's called her round. And in a very roundabout way, he explains to her that he won't be taking up their offer. Right, because they've, they've decided on that warehouse place that... That has windows. Mostly windows. Right. More windows than walls. And then Abby says... Why do we even need walls? And Kev points out, because we don't want to see Rita in her bathrobe. <laughs> she pushes herself laughing. She already knew because Abby had been sending her pictures, but she did enjoy his performance. He seems to try to sweeten her up by, uh, after this crushing di- disappointment, by insisting Which that doesn't it's not seem personal. All that crushing. No. And Abby wants Debbie involved in the wedding, which, which I she don't doesn't. think Abby does at all. No. And then we get one, one brief scene where where Kev is talking to Chesney about this and Chesney reveals that when he and Gemma finally tie the knot because let's remember how long Chesney and Gemma have been engaged shall we? I think Fitz and Tyrone might be engaged as well I think anyway anyway that Gemma wants to get married in a karaoke bar while doing karaoke like she wants to sing her vows Karaoke style. <laughs> she wants it all done in karaoke. I want to see that. <laughs> kind of curious, yeah. I want to see that. Can we please just have the Jez- Chesney and Gemma wedding now, please? <laughs> I don't care about these other weddings that they keep throwing at us. I just want the Chesney and Gemma wedding. See, you say that now, though, that you really want the karaoke wedding, but when they give you the karaoke wedding, you're like, well, that wasn't what we'll I imagined. We'll be disappointed, that right. That was not yeah. what I imagined. But it's fine. I can't imagine Abby and Kev's wedding. Can you? Not as easy as I could imagine Days of the Cow, no. Because <laughs> boom, that's there again. Or the karaoke wedding. That immediately springs to mind, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. <sighs> Stuff so, You Should Know did a karaoke this week, didn't they? For like short stuff. Oh, I haven't listened to any Stuff You Should Know. I've been busy trying to create sitcom things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, you know... Karaoke, little orchestra. Or empty orchestra. Empty orchestra, yeah, yeah. that's what the, the cara bit is. Because yeah. karate is empty hand. Yes. And uh, kamikaze is divine wind. That's the extent of my Japanese, I think. Hmm. You want konnichiwa? Oh, konnichiwa. And domo arigato. Yes. Mr. Robato. <laughs> well, that's not Japanese, this isn't Japanese at all, but my mind has just now gone to the Bruce Lee movie that I watched. Was it last week or the week before? You watched a Bruce Lee movie without me? I watched Into the Dragon. What? Without me? It's dreadful. It's so bad. It's like a parody of itself now. Right, but the at acting the time is in- awful. The plot is just unfathomable. And actually, the action scenes aren't all that great. They were at the time, though. Yeah, this was the 1970s. Right. Anyway, moving on. Have we said anything about that storyline? Yeah, this is just we're, Abby we're re- just, re- just reinforcing the fact that she hasn't forgiven Debbie. Right, and we're us reinforcing the it. fact that there's other engaged couples that we care about more than this. Okay. Next storyline is run, 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 run away. On Friday, there's a scene at the, bar, at the builder's yard that provides some exposition for us. 
These are the notable points. One, Aggie's away treating another family member with long COVID. Two, Ed doesn't know what he wants to be called by the new grandchild. Finally, somebody somebody in the show, only not even in the show, has COVID. Three, Ronnie has a new job in town and tends to attend Weather County Games to see James play. Four, James has training tonight. Five, Ronnie will tell everyone about his new job in the pub later and seems weird when Ed tells him to text Aggie to let her know about it. Ed meets Ronnie in the pub and Ronnie immediately complains that he's left his phone in his new digs and they wanted to take a photograph of them both. Ed is surprised when Ronnie gets up and says he's going to go get his phone, but then <gasps> he walks, walks behind, behind the, the bar. bar. He's staying at the Rovers. <laughs> and Jenny seems so pleased with this. Jenny says that he even asked for a discount if he'd help change the barrels, like Jenny hasn't coped well enough without a man around. No offence, Ryan. <laughs> or sh- is it Sean still working there temporarily? Part-time? Oh, I can't remember. Then she chooses to mention how excited Ronnie seems to be about Michael's baby. That was kind of dropped and then left, wasn't it? Yeah. Later, Ed's pissed as a fart when he gets home and James has already spoken to Aggie on the phone and told her that he was out with Ronnie, so therefore she's expecting him to be drunk. She really hates Ronnie, doesn't she? Ed agrees, but doesn't know why. But now he's going to be staying. Maybe <sighs> with James's help, they'll win Aggie round to him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why... Hanging in the air. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Right. Well, it seems very taken by the idea of Michael's baby. Right. And seems to take an interest in the fact that Ed's discussion about what he and Aggie are going to be called by this baby. Mm-hmm. Never understood that. The Pops, whole. Gramps. Yeah. Granddad. Just let it happen organically. Mm-hmm. What, what, why do we have to, def- you know. I want to be known as Excelsior. <laughs> We'll have to remember that once once these children start procreating. Sometime in the far, far, far distant future. I shall be long dead. <laughs> Our final storyline this morning. There's an awful lot here and I think that we're... Nope, I thought we were tearing through it. We're not. <laughs> we're kind of tearing through it. Because we hate it all. This is Team Simon and Asha's delightful storyline until they ruin it. Merged together. Uh, On Monday, Leanne gets up to find... They, can't just, they just can't let these kids be kids and have I a good time. I knew that this was going to happen when you said during Corey News or something months ago that there was going to be storylines for the teens and everyone was going to get involved and it was all going to come together. And I knew that this was going to be the moment or there was going to be a moment in the future when yeah. various storylines were going to come together. Right. And that's happened this week. Yeah. Well, it's begun this week. Or begun this week. I anyway. think it's going to get worse before mm-hmm. it gets better. So Leanne gets up to find Simon is working on a college assignment about the formal and informal agents of social control. Hmm. It's all going reasonably well until Jacob knocks up Simon and tells him that it's time to rock <sighs> but and not roll. Like that. And despite Leanne's protests, Simon grabs his stuff and leaves. Later, we hear Jacob having bother on the phone with some punk called Dion and threatening him with Harvey. Simon overhears and checks everything's okay. Jacob, uh, I've got your back, he says. Excellent, says Jacob, because you can do me a favour. Simon gets home and Leanne is chirpily talking about making dinner and then Jacob comes in with his bags. Thanks, Mrs B, I owe you one, he says, and he goes off to Simon's room. It seems Jacob's place got raided and he has no one else, nowhere else to stay. 
Hmm. Liana's obviously incensed by this, but Simon begs her, you have no idea what he's capable of, he says. Which is nothing. It's best if you just let it go for a couple of days. So Leanne relents. And in a quieter moment, Simon apologises for letting Leanne down. She apologises for letting him down. And they promise to help each other fix the situation. And then a crowd of Jacob's mates and some pizza descend on the flat and Leanne retreats again to her room. You're a top bird, says Jacob. I like how they're handling that all these mates and this gang that you don't see any of them. Because <laughs> you can't have them all in the flat, I guess. No, no. And you can't have more than a few people in a, in right. a scene. So the, yeah. the gang has to be this kind of ethereal <laughs> ghost They're all spirit. invisible. <laughs> right. On Wednesday, ITV Corey's back and it looks like he's lost a fight with a set of hair clippers. And aged 10 years. Oh my God. I thought, why is Who's Ewan this? McGregor from Trainspotting here? Who is this guy that Nina's talking to? Oh my God. That's ITV Corey. What's what happened, happened to, to you? Him? Jeez. Oh. Oofed. That's been a tough couple of weeks, Yikes. ITV Corey. Jeez. He sees Ash and Roy's rolls and creeps on her a bit. She reveals that it's too late. She's already seen someone else. He's incredulous at this. Uh, and then is doubly so when he finds out that her new boyfriend isn't a boyfriend. Right. It's Nina. Oh, it all makes sense suddenly. ITV Corey goes on to say some pretty nasty things about Nina about being undead and sleeping in the coffin and stuff. Right, yeah, really original stuff. <laughs> but when he leaves, Asha feels like she's finally rid of him. She knows what she wants, and that prick isn't going to get in the way of it. Then on Friday, Jacob's counting out pills uh, from separate piles that Simon thinks are already weighed. Right. Harvey will kill him, says Simon, if he finds out. So Jacob throws Simon a bung to keep his mouth shut. And buy a mop and bucket. This place is a tip. Jacob leaves as he says this, and then Leanne comes out of hiding. Jacob's right, she says. This place is a tip. Ashes and Roy's rolls in a world of her own, while Roy explains about a train enthusiast meeting that he's holding this evening, <laughs> and how they're low on rice now that they're offering specials on chili con carne and chili sin carne. Timbot4000 says who eats chili con carne without rice? Everyone in America. Chili sin carne? Is that vegetarian chili? Yes. Because sin means without. That's kind of what I understood, yes. When Nina comes in, Asha is desperate to make plans for her for the evening and seems blind and deaf to Nina's reluctance to do so. Right, and the fact that she has to work tonight. Right. Then Kelly the Chin is in the community garden writing Kelly the Chin on something. (laughs) With a sharpie. Jacob comes along and invites her to Shannon's, a new hotel that's opening up in town that's looking for likes and so everything's cheap just to get the youngsters and the young team involved. Right. Plus, he's got a little something something that'll help put a smile on her face. She reveals that a new kid at her foster home is making her life a misery and he keeps trying but is interrupted when a car toots its horn. It's his ride, so he dashes off. And meanwhile, Summer and Asha come along and try to make arrangements for this evening. Asher's busy with Nina, but seems interested in Kelly's story about this Shannon's place, this hotel in town. Hmm. So Asher goes to ask Dev for money. 50 quid so she can get a hotel room. Dev is understandably less than thrilled about this. Mm-hmm. Unsure it's wise for her and Nina to rush into sleeping together. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you, if it was a boy, it'd be, yeah, but it's not a boy. Fine, says Asher. And she says that she'll go ask Addy for the money, which seems to be addressing the secondary issue here. Right, and... <laughs> It also says, it's just, 
Addie is funny even when he's not there. Right. Because she says <laughs> she'll ask Addie for the money even though he'll charge interest. Right. And that's so funny. It's just this throwaway line. It's also and true. it's hilarious and true. What I really liked about this scene was that Dev, despite him bending over backwards in previous weeks to try right. and, and accommodate and get his head round about this relationship right. and to, to be seen to be cool and right. down with it. Yeah. I think the risk was that he'd let Asha away with anything right. in an attempt to still remain the kind of cool dad. Right. Right? He, yeah. He's fine about that. But he put his foot down on this yeah. and says, you're rushing into it. Yeah. And this isn't a great idea. So right. I, so I, I can't no. sponsor this. Yeah. And he's not wrong. But then where he kind of let that down a bit was he by does, letting it happen or not saying you can't do this. Right. He still gives her money. <laughs> Later, he gives her money. Nina and Roy are discussing the abomination that is half chips, half rice. When Dev comes in wanting to know what the bloody hell Nina is playing at, Asha is only 16 and too young to be doing any sleazy hotel action. This is the first that I've heard of it, mate, says Nina. I suggest you speak with Asha. Terribly sorry for the misunderstanding, says Dev. <laughs> and he leaves. Right, and it's a testament to Nina that Dev immediately believes her. Mm-hmm immediately recognises that she's just as shocked as he is, realises the error of his ways, apologises and leaves. Yeah, but it's the first of a couple of instances where Dev's instantly jumping to the conclusion that Nina's involved in this. Right. And Nina is to blame for this. Right. And every time he has this conversation with her, she's just in Roy's roles doing her job. Right. <laughs> You're interrupting me doing my job by accusing right. me of doing something else that I didn't right. do. So Dev's a bit of a prick here <laughs> and needs to wind his neck in a little bit. But he does recognise that he's a prick. Which is true. Yes. Later, Asha rushes in excited with the surprise that she has for Nina. But Nina already knows about it. Dev's already blurbed. And anyway, she's not into having this kind of surprise sprung on her. Yeah. Asha's nose is put out of joint and she leaves. Yeah. Our first, our, yeah, this, this, this shouldn't be a surprise. This should be something that we sit down and we agree upon. Right. Which is absolutely true. I love Nina when... Asher runs in and says, oh, well, we've got to talk about what you'll need to bring, bring with you. And Nina is very, very pizza forthright. Pizza a movie. Pizza, a movie, pizza cutter. Yep. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then she does this whole cutting motion, like <laughs> Sam the Eagle and the Muppets just going. Mm. <laughs> you know that any Muppets reference is pretty much lost on me, right? That one was for the listeners. Yeah. You know the Muppets. You know who Sam the Eagle is, I yes? I have no idea who you're talking about. Sam the Eagle. He's an eagle. And he's very oh, much America. Sam the Eagle. Yes. Sam the Eagle. <laughs> you said Sam the Eagle. And I'm like, fuck <laughs> Sam the Eagle? I don't know who Sam the Eagle is. I know who Sam there should be a Sam the Eagle. He would have a theme tune that would go like this. No. So He would finagle things. So Nina is concerned about the age difference and Roy advises that honesty is the best policy and when Nina asks if he means finish with her he thinks it's interesting that this is the direction that Nina's mind went right. when he suggested honesty. I think, which yeah. Which is a, a, another great bit of advice oh, from Roy. God. Roy's so good. So Nina goes to have the talk with Asha. Nina very gently explains that being together in a relationship just highlights how different the two of them are 
Ash admits to feeling that too, but thought it could still work if they spent more time together. Yeah, or less, says Nina. <laughs> and then in a really weird interlude, Dev pops in and leaves 50 quid for Ash's hotel idea and then promptly leaves. Right. Nina pretends that that didn't happen. <laughs> Asha is really important to her. For the first time ever, Nina is actually embarrassed by Dev. <laughs> and she wants to stay really close mates. Yeah, me too, says Asha. And they both look really sad as Nina leaves. So yeah, this is where... Uh, Asha gets her money from mm-hmm. So Asha meets up now with Summer and Kelly At the bus stop Keen to hang out with them now that she's dumped Nina Asha wants to get <laughs> lashed But Kelly says the new kid at her foster home Is hard enough to deal with without a hangover So no thanks This is the second time that Kelly the Chin has mentioned The new kid at her foster home And no one's biting <laughs> No one's biting with more information No So something's going to happen with Kelly the Chin And this new kid at the foster home Or or nothing is going to happen with this new kid at the foster home. Or I think more likely is going to force Kelly out of that foster home yeah. and into somewhere more permanent on the street. She's going to move in with Billy in summer, isn't she? Probably. Yeah. Which makes sense. Or, unless she's far too old for that. I was, I was going to say that. Imran and Toya could foster, foster her. her. Well, they could, technically. She, they don't have an age limit, do they? I don't know, but I get the idea that Imran and Toya are more into babies. Oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> That's... You need to take a little minute here. Bear with us. Well, that's not what I meant. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> uh, okay, right. All right. So Kelly doesn't want to have a hangover, so no thanks. Asha's got cash, so she sends Kelly off to find Jacob to get something for them all to get out of their tits. Right. Why, why can't she? Why can't Asha, who's the one who wants. And wait a second. Kelly the chin knows where to score some drugs. And, and wait a second. Kelly doesn't want to deal with her her other foster with a hangover, but she's okay yeah. dealing with a all doped up mm-hmm. with a dope headache. So Kelly goes to find Simon instead. She doesn't trust Jacob in any way. He's not answering these texts. She eventually dot, dot, dot. blackmails Simon to sell her a couple of pills or she'll grass him up. He asks her to get Jacob to get in touch with him if she hears from him, but she hasn't seen hiding her hair of him since he jumped in that tinty car earlier. Dot, dot, dot. What tinty car? Asks Simon. So the girls decamp to Summers where Kelly wonders how they're going to divvy up two pills between three people, but Summer bows out. She's not interested. Asha calls her a square, and Summer <laughs> reckons that Asha is more upset about Nina than she's letting on. Then Asha and Summer leave to get some booze from Devs. Right, yeah. Summer... Looks her looks down her nose at illegal pills, mm-hmm. but it was okay with drinking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. That's I think that's typical. Yeah. Well, I had a different childhood. What can I say? <laughs> right. So then they go to Devs, and Asha tells Kelly to wait until they get back before she drops her pill. But when they get back, 
Kaylee's out for the count on the couch. I'm right, she's taking both of them. Right, yeah, because <laughs> as they walk out, she's holding the bag up and is staring at both of these pills mm-hmm. with a look on her face. Someone tells Asha to call an ambulance, but Asha's worried that we'll have to tell them about the ecstasy and how it was Asha's idea to get it. But someone reminds her that this isn't really about you at the minute. Right, yeah. So... Like, <laughs> so much of this just damages Asha in my eyes so oh, much. she's immediately gone back to being uh, immature, irresponsible. Really immature. Kind of nasty a little bit. Yeah. She was the one that's dumped... Nina, she's going to quit her job and she'll be well shot and all that. So it was moving too fast. Nina was, was it was too heavy with her. And kind of using Kelly to get drugs and then not wanting to have any sort of accountability right. and throwing Kelly, un, who can't speak for herself at the moment, mm-hmm. under the bus. Yeah, absolutely. Repeatedly with the hospital and with her father. <clears throat> oh, Asha. At the community garden, Simon's phone goes and it's Jacob. But it's not Jacob. Um, dum, dum. It's Jacob from 20 years in the future. <laughs> and he's not on the phone. He's there. Future Jacob took the past version of himself for a ride and then dumped himself at the hospital. Future Jacob tells Simon that he's got... He's got some splaining to do. That he's got one chance to open up and tell him everything that the past version of himself has been up to so that the future self knew nothing about. Simon insists that he hasn't been ripping off anyone and future Jacob believes him, but then tells him that he needs to step up, he's got a promotion, and since he's a man down, now that past Jacob is in the hospital. I am Timbot4000 and I haven't a fucking clue what's going on right now. This was a Bruce Willis movie, wasn't it? I think so. Twelve Jacobs? (laughs) This isn't future Jacob. No, it's Harvey. It's Harvey. Finally. Finally, we have the big bad in the drug story. Finally. Finally. He's massive. He's a big guy. Yeah. Simon doesn't want a promotion. Burly. Too fucking bad, says Harvey. You'll be working for me until that two grand is paid off, and then he zooms away in his fancy car. While Simon assesses that the situation seems to have taken Harvey a little bit of a, a turn for the worst. Harvey is such a goofy name for like it's a, a drug rabbit. <laughs> it's a big <laughs> rabbit that isn't there. <laughs> or it's a chain of furniture stores uh, that's probably now sadly defunct. Or, or Harvey Milk. That's sad, though. Or Hoivy from Cagney and Lacey. <laughs> Mary Beth Lacey's husband. Hoivy. Husband. Then we have a lovely scene with Nina and Roy. She explains about the breakup. Asha likes Little Mix and Nina's not sure she could deal with that in a partner. <laughs> and Roy, Roy has says, no, no idea, idea what she's talking about, but <laughs> reckons it's for the best and she shouldn't feel bad for being honest. You should never feel bad for being honest. At the hospital, Kelly's going to be fine, but she'll be kept in while the toxins leave her system. And we get a lovely little, you know, chat about Roy's past a little bit. We're reminded of the fact that he and Kathy used to be a thing. Yeah, and he, he still feels bad about not breaking that off earlier than they did. Yeah. Because it, was, it wasn't for anybody. No, nobody was better off by, by keeping it By prolonging longer. the relationship like, longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now she's so very happy with Brian. <laughs> Sniper's dream. <laughs> The health nurse tells someone in Asha and us that Kelly's just the latest victim of these dodgy pills in a week. In comes a breathless Billy to make things worse because someone phoned him. They explain about the ecstasy but don't say where they got it. And Billy decides that Dev needs to know about this. What a fucking grass. 
Back in the street, Dev accosts Chesney. He needs someone to cover the chippy because Jacob's not turned up for work. Chesney tries to explain that he needs to get home and look after these kids, but Dev explains about Kelly the chin and then basically leaves Chesney to sort it all out. Look, Dev, says Chesney in an alternate universe, your scheduling issues are not my problem. I'm off the clock. If this is such an issue, then close the chippy. And he's not even the manager anymore. And he doesn't even work at the chippy, does he? He just works at the kebab shop. Right. And he's not even the manager of the kebab shop. Dev bursts into the hospital with his I'm very angry about this face on, demanding to know what's happened, how Kelly took drugs, if Asha took drugs, where the drugs came from, did Asha know about it, and weren't you meant to be in a sleazy hotel getting your hole with Nina? Asha, understandably, would rather not talk about any of this in public. Rather than discuss anything at home, Dev wants to discuss it at Roy's Rolls and accuses Nina of being involved in the drugs party. He explains what's going on and Nina asks Asha if she's okay, like you fucking care, says Asha, and she storms out. Nina explains to Dev that they split up, that they weren't on the same page emotionally, and she tells Dev to be kind to Asha, she could probably do with some love right now. At home, he's calmed down and is sorry about her and Nina, but drugs isn't the way to let off steam. Asha says it was all Kelly the Chin's idea. (sighs) And then she leaves him and heads upstairs. And says she'll never do drugs. Simon gets home and unburdens himself to Leanne about the shitty situation that he's in. Either he steps up and works for Harvey to pay him back or he's fucked. He says that he's trapped and then he says that he's trapped them both. The only way to get out of this is to go to the police, says Leanne. We'll tell him that you were groomed, she says, even though that's not really true. That's kind of true. Harvey will run a mile when he finds out that the police are on to him, she says. Which is not Not true true. at all. (laughs) Simon and Leanne are ready to head out to the police when Chesney helpfully comes round to see if Simon can cover the chippy. He explains about Jacob being MIA and that Dev is at the hospital with Asha because Kelly the Chin took a dodgy pill, says Simon. Leanne says that they have a reservation somewhere, so Chesney leaves to track down Bernie, of all people, who who he says is at the bingo. Of course she's at the bingo. (laughs) Of course she's at the bingo. (laughs) Where's Tall Matt in all of this? Yeah, yeah, where is Tall Matt? We haven't seen Tall Matt in ages. Simon reveals that they can't go to the police now because he was the one what sold Kelly the chin the dodgy or pill. Or all of the other people who work at the chippy who aren't Jacob and Simon. <laughs> There's got exist? to be other people who li- who work there, correct? <sighs> aye, aye, aye. And then it's, it's <laughs> Kelly the chin's day when he throws her under the bus too by saying that she blackmailed him into selling the drugs. Which is true. Yeah, but you don't throw her under the bus. You don't grass her up. If you weren't dealing drugs, this wouldn't be a problem. Right, yeah. Right. The fact that you're dealing drugs really is the kind of... Right. The main, well, he says that he's not dealing, he's just no, a, the he's, courier. But now Harvey wants him to be... Dealer number dealing, one. Dealing, yeah. Team Simon is now 0%. <laughs> Leanne still wants to call the police, but Simon wants to do a runner. And when his phone rings, he shits a brick. Hold your horses, says Leanne. I've got an idea. She says that she'll meet with Harvey tomorrow in Simon's stead. What are you going to do, ask Simon? Tell him off? No, says Leanne. I'm going to pay him off. Simon's up to his neck because he was trying to help her when she was paralysed with grief. Well, she ain't paralysed anymore. It's time for her to step up and be his mum and sort this shit out once and for all. And that is how we end this week's episodes. Do you know, that was funnier than I remember it. Hilarious. From start to finish. Rolling in the aisles. All the goodwill we've built up for the Allahans for weeks and weeks and weeks. Destroyed. 
right down the shutter. Th- this is why Addie's not in it because Addie is the only redeemable Alahan now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this I show. Feel, are we responsible for this by praising it so much? I said, "Oh, I don't want to be." The show wants to be the cool kid that doesn't have the parents' approval. The show wants to pretend it's one of the younger cool kids. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. Be sniffing glue next. Remember when that was a thing? <laughs> Apparently it's still a thing. Is it really? Yeah, people wow. still sniff glue. When they can't get their hands on their their parents' pain meds wow. and other stuff. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so Leanne's going to become a drug dealer that's that's what's going to happen right it's kind of the the track that we're moving down yeah she's going to meet Harvey you know how you were saying that you didn't believe that Jacob was capable of anything I absolutely believe that Harvey is capable of anything yeah yeah (laughs) which was which was always my point is we haven't seen this big bad who is the one who is capable of anything Jacob was harmless Jacob absolutely was harmless, and that's why he's out of the show now. He tweeted um, that that was him done. Yeah. Cheerio. Yep. It's been, a, it's been a laugh. And I thought that meant that we had like a couple of months still of Jacob, but no. <laughs> I, I guess that's it. We ain't never seen him again. Hospital. So do you think hospital or do you think dead? I think dead. Or close to it. Right. I kind of think that means dead. Dead enough. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he, he seemed to be uh, quite the, the chipper wee chappy uh, earlier in the week. <laughs> it wasn't that kind of threatening uh, influence that he'd been previously when you weren't believing him. I don't know. I, I don't think Leanne getting involved in this is going to help at all. I do think she's right, though, that the, the only way to solve this is by Go going to the, to the police. police. But be prepared for it becoming much, much worse before it right. gets better. Right, yeah. And oops, Simon, maybe you do go to jail for a little while. Mm-hmm. You fucking deserve it. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is the thing. This, this is, is the, the thing, thing that I don't I hate. think he's groomed is because he willingly went into this knowing the situation. And if he wasn't groomed by them, he was ungroomed by his family. Right. And, and I mean, kind of because, you know, Jacob's like, oh, well. You know, you need a new phone or you need a new bike. And, oh, well, now you owe us for the new phone and the new bike. And, oh, well, you know, I've got this little side job for you if you want it and stuff. So there was, there was, there was some grooming there and also a barking dog. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I don't know. And poor Kelly. Whoever thought I would be sympathetic to Kelly the Chin? <laughs> I've always quite liked Kelly the Chin. I think she carries a little bit of and, a, a I mean, menace about her. Here she was. Enjoy. Here she was so high and mighty with Simon, saying, "Don't do drugs and don't get involved with Jacob because he sells drugs." But the second Asha says, "Hey, let's do drugs," right? She's ready to do drugs. Mm-hmm. I, I really didn't want Summer to be involved in it, so I'm glad that she kind of. Stepped away from it. I thought it was ridiculous that Asha says, oh, well, she didn't call her square, but it was to that effect that Asha's... Her dad's a vicar. Cut her some slack there, Asha. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still not used to New Summer. 
No, I got a little surprise for Miss here. Yeah. Oh, you're not Summer. Oh, you are Summer. Yeah, you are Summer. Mm-hmm. I think of her as another character. Right, yeah. Me too. Just an- another character who just happens to be called Summer. Who and, happens to and be yet I Valley. 100% accept new Addy. Addy 2.0. Because Addy 2.0 is just so much more Addy than Addy 1.0 was. Yeah. Well, he's been given more to do. He's given given more to do. And, you know, in fairness to Addy 1.0, he wasn't really given much to do. No, I don't think he really wanted that much to do. Yeah. And that's why he's out of it. Right. 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 Anyway. I think, yeah. Yeah. Again, I think it's getting worse before it gets better, regardless of what's happening here. But this uh, Harvey character looks like he's taking no shit from no one. No. Which is... He's uh, going to be tricky to deal with. Does this make you change your opinion of of the threat from last week? Yeah, because now we have the big bad. The big bad was always going to be a big threat. But before the big bad got involved, there were, you know, if if Simon had gone to the police and taken Jacob down, I don't think the big bad would have gotten involved. He would have just, because Jacob was always going to be collateral damage here, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think now that was kind of obvious. I think at the time I was, I was kind of caught up and enjoying And Jacob was never threatening, but, you know? Simon kept saying, you don't know what he's capable of. The only evidence Simon has of that is that one kid in the trunk of a car. Right. Where they didn't really do much damage to him. He didn't even have jam on his face. They just shoved him into the trunk of a car. Yeah. Oh, somebody mentioned something about what we said last week about him not carrying a knife. Saying that if he's a drug dealer, of course he's carrying a knife. You said that. No, somebody said that. No. Somebody said if he's a drug dealer, of course he's carrying a knife. Somebody said that to me this week. I can't remember who. It seems a bit of a generalization, doesn't it? If you're a drug dealer, you're going to be carrying a knife. I think they said that a little bit more eloquently than that. Hmm. Because, I mean, even over here, not all drug dealers carry guns. So that was the week that was Coronation Street. That was depressing stuff. Your moment of the week? Uh, I, I, I think we've got to give it to Roy and Nina. Oh, no, really? Roy, Roy, Roy saying, you know, you've got to be honest. And Nina saying, well, you know, how am I going to tell her then that we're break it up and him saying well the fact that you went there yeah those were good scenes between Roy and Nina more than we're Steve's not giving about stealing chocolates we're not giving it to Steve looking at a box of chocolates that's not moment of the week I've got it written down here it's funny I've given it its own bullet point <laughs> it's funny and it was and you know it was well acted I guess you know it was charming it was a break but really moment of the week is is Roy and Nina Talking about relationships. See, I'm trying to avoid giving it to Roy and Nina all the time. And it feels like we're doing it all the time. That's because Roy and Nina are the only lights in the show. <laughs> uh, because Mary wasn't in it this week. Fine. Uh, Nina and Roy's discussion about honesty is our... Moment of the week. And then a boy and then a moment and then a week. I've got Ken going to pick up Practical Boatner's magazine. It's a boring moment and it sounds like a boring magazine. Either that or it's 
Ken getting a phone call that he left his glasses at the pharmacist. No, that was that was hilarious. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> because it was like he, he pretended to care about Simon for like 45 seconds. It's obviously Ken, though. Ken it's, is it's our Ken, boring yeah. of the moment of the week. Let's go with the picking up the Practical Boat Owners magazine. Fine. That's our boring moment of the week. <laughs> If you've ever been so bored that a shift on the streetcar switch sounds like a turn into the fast lane, we're here to talk you down. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com, which is also our address on Skype for voicemail and on PayPal if you want to chuck a couple of bucks into our virtual tip jar. We're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Please check out our merch store and YouTube channel, links to which you can find on our Twitter bio or on the other stuff page of thetalkofthestreet.podbean.com. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or please. on your podcast provider of choice. Thank you ever so much for making it to the end of another episode. We'll be back next week with more Talk of the Street.